Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I am Peter Hostrasso, the host. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get the podcast directly to you as soon as they come out on a weekly basis. I'm a proud partner of the Ed Up Experience Podcast Network. If you head over to edupexperience.com, there's a lot of cool things going on in innovative education, K through 12 and beyond, edupexperience.com. Head over to disrupteducation.co. It is a wonderful place where I write my blog. You can see all these podcasts and you can connect with me there, disrupteducation.co. I have a wonderful guest today. Uh, He is the third guest in our series of Teacher Burnout. His name is Corey Scott, and he's uh, an internal communication specialist, which means he's made the transition from education um, into the uh, private sector, but also he is doing an amazing thing called Day One Teacher, um, and it's all about preparing uh, new special ed teachers for their first day in the classroom. He's going to talk about that, and he's also going to talk about his experiences in the classroom and what led to some of his burnout, but still being a part of the education um, system and helping others learn is a major part of Corey's life. We'll be right back with Corey right after this. I thought it'd be a great idea to have a quick conversation about how teachers can actually use their strengths to build an e-learning platform. So I went to Hector and had a quick conversation about how can e-learning partners help teachers who are burnt out to spread their knowledge across the world. Here's what he said. If you're a teacher and you're feeling burnt out and you're trying to figure out what can I do with the knowledge and expertise that I have and take it to the world, that's why e-learning is so powerful, right? You're a teacher because you want to impact students and their lives. And now you have an opportunity to impact people around the world while at the same time creating a recurring revenue stream for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, which is why we wanted to create this free masterclass. Whether if you take e-learning simplified or not, we want to give you some tools, some hidden gems that will kick off your e-learning program in a successful way. This free masterclass create and launch a successful e-learning program, online course, or virtual training will teach you the biggest mistakes most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time, and much, much more to get you on that successful path of e-learning. All you have to do is hit the link in the notes of this podcast to sign up for the free masterclass that Hector's talking about. I personally have signed up myself and it has got a wealth of knowledge for someone who's looking to branch off and to see how they can help many, many more in education. Make sure to hit that link, put your email in there, and you will have instant access to an amazing amount of information around building your e-learning platform. Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostross. I got a great guest with me today, Corey Scott in the Bronx today. Uh, so we got the connection with uh, Chicago, the Midwest, and the Bronx today. Corey, how are you doing, man? 
I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm wonderful. Uh, at the time of this recording, I got about 10 inches of snow and we got some e-learning days coming on out here. So uh, yeah, always, yeah. always changing in education. So um, Corey, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what are you up to these days? Well, um, I am uh, a passionate educator at heart. Um, I have spent the last six years um, working in public schools uh, in the state of Louisiana, New Orleans to be specific, and in uh, North Carolina. Uh, and I, I most recently left uh, the classroom to uh, work in software sales, which is a little bit different than the classroom. Uh, but I was uh, burnt out, burnt out as a teacher. So that's what uh, caused me to make the switch. And um, I also, in addition to uh, working in software sales, I also work uh, and have an online coaching business, uh, a teacher preparation program, if you will, for new special education teachers who have no experience working in the classroom. So I kind of keep myself a little bit busy. Uh, but like I said, I'm, a, I'm an educator at heart, man. I'm, I'm so passionate about our, our, our students and the future of our nation in terms of, you know, wh wh where it's going in the future of education. Education is everywhere. And I think, uh, you know, with the previous guest this month, as we're talking about burnout, um, a lot of educators are using their, their passion to just help others in so many different ways. Before we jump into that transition and why that happened and, and maybe some of your experiences of, you know, leveling up the education worldwide um, and, and those uh, programs that you're building, I gotta ask, what kind of student was Corey Scott? Talk about your uh, educational path and, uh, and how that might've influenced who you are today. Wow, wow. El Corey Scott was um, K through 12 and even through, you know, post-secondary school and college, um, I was a kid who had to be challenged. Um, if I wasn't going to be challenged, I wasn't going to do my work. Um, I was an A. I was an A student all the way up until 10th grade of high school, where I moved to Virginia. Um, and when I moved 10th grade, my grades just dropped. I became a C student, uh, not because I I think I was incapable, but simply because I was bored and I was in a new environment. And um, all I cared about was running track and field. You know, I ran track in high school, so. Um, in my AP classes, I got A's because I was being challenged. So I took AP classes. Uh, those were the classes I got A's and B's. I always scored a three or above on the AP test. Um, but in those regular classes, man, earth science, I just, I would get a D. I would get a D or C. And it was because I would be bored and it wasn't challenging. And so um, even throughout college, I was, um, I think I graduated college with a, a 2.8 uh, cumulative GPA, which is, you know, I, decent. Um, but, you know, I, it is what it is. You know, I had a lot on my plate and, and uh, I'm just glad I made it through. Is there any uh, pivotal moments like, um, you know, that how did you realize you weren't challenged? Like, when did that happen? Was that like post-college, post-high post school? Yeah, I think it came from my parents. My parents always advocated for me um, to be in, um, I think at the time they called them um, the classes where they would have talented and gifted. I think at the time they call it talented and gifted. So my parents would always advocate for me to my teachers in school uh, and the schools I was in for me to be in harder classes. And so I think I just absorbed that language from my parents. And I began to notice that and learn that about myself that I found myself getting bored easily. And um, if I if I'm not doing something that I, I feel is challenging or where I'm engaged, I find my my uh, the quality of my work would not be as good as it could be. So I, I, I was taught that I heard it 
And then I think I've learned that about myself as I've gotten older. And then, so we switched. Now then you 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 went into teaching, man, six years. What? Why? That, that's a big question. Why'd you go into teaching, man? Oh, it's a, it's a funny story. So uh, my bachelor's degree is in Homeland Security. Um, and initially I wanted to be uh, going to work for the feds, work for the federal government, become a police officer. Um, but then life changed, circumstances changed, and I just didn't feel it anymore. So I always had a passion for uh, teaching and working with people and coaching. And so I said, I'm going to be a teacher. Uh, I moved to New Orleans in 2015. And when I got there, I was doing a lot of community work. And so the thought came in my mind naturally, um, you know, going to teaching is a perfect opportunity. You're working in the community. Uh, so that's what I did. I, I became a teacher assistant and um, I did that. And uh, I worked, I think I worked as a teacher assistant for about six months. And um, eventually I became a lead teacher and uh, I, I applied for a special education position and I started working it because it was the first position that I, I got offered. And so that's how I got into special education. And so uh, six years later, uh, here, here I am. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit because, uh, yeah, you know, that's cool. I, I, I want to know, was there, just a quick question here. Was there, what kind of differences were there in, in New Orleans versus, you know, up uh, where you at? Virginia, North Carolina? Was that where you were uh, for your yeah, school? Yeah, Virginia. Virginia, yes, yeah. Was, yes. there, was there differences in schools? Um, I, you know, my, you know, I have friends. My, my wife has done some consulting and, yeah, there's just, you said lead teacher. That's something that is a little bit different sometimes uh, in different areas. Um, what were those major differences that you saw? Wow, a huge disparities. Um, I mean, New Orleans, after Katrina, um, you know, New Orleans became a hub for charter schools. And so I don't even think, I know when I was there at the time, uh, the city of New Orleans, like their public school system was almost non-existent. Um, the school, the city was just ran by different charter organizations. And so um, for one, that was a different something that I wasn't used to coming from Northern Virginia and going to public school in the state of Virginia. Um, in addition to that, um, I think the quality of education in Louisiana was completely different. Um, I think at the time, Louisiana ranked maybe in the bottom 10% of states in terms of, you know, this standardized test scores in terms of you know the amount of students who are on free and reduced lunch. Um, in general, the state is just poor, more poor than Northern Virginia, where I came from. And so working with those students, I saw it every day. Um, you know, in 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 you know the assessments I would give and just speaking with the students, um, there was just a clear difference between the level of education that was given in North Carolina or Virginia and uh, in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, so that's got to come into play. Did that well? Let's dive into then the the burnout, right? Like, you know, everybody says it's like five to seven years. Um, you right, right in there. <laughs> so <laughs> I hate it, right? Uh, yeah. So um, let's start talking about that. When did you realize that you know it, this was happening? Um, you know, we have you know Kevin, who's on the podcast before you talk about his dissertation and and how the levels happen. You know, it's it's a constant or it's just a new contributor or something else happened. What happened? What happened? How how did Corey start to get as a passionate learner, educator, you know, human first? Let's move some people here. Um, obviously empathetic because you can see the different. Um, differences in, in the way that you grew up versus the South. Um, you know, when we're in those situations as teachers, it's great to learn. But what happened? What happened? Uh, how did the, the burnout start? And uh, when did you know? 
I think that I knew that there were major problems in the education system. Uh, I worked for a public school uh, in the largest county or parish in Louisiana, Jefferson Parish. I worked for them for over three years and I, I was never getting the support I needed. Um, I didn't go to school for education. And so I had to go through an alternative teacher certification program. But what I saw was just that there was a complete lack of support. There was a lack of so many different things. Uh, and after being with that parish for three years, I just wanted more. Again, I wanted to be challenged. I felt like I hit a glass ceiling. And so I actually went to work for uh, a charter organization that was based out of the south southern part of Texas called uh, Idea Charter. Uh, what is it? Idea, uh, Idea Prep School. Um, and when I began working for them, I noticed that they had a lot more systems in place. They had a lot more resources. They had a lot more finances. And my mind became open. And I was obviously able to see the difference between the public school and the charter school or a public charter school. And so that's really, that got my wheels, you know, turning. I'm thinking, okay, this, this isn't right because everyone did not have the opportunity to go to that charter school. You know, what about the, the, the amount of kids, all those kids that were in that parish I left behind? Um, fast forward a couple of years. Um, I worked, I moved to North Carolina and, um, I saw the same problems exist in North Carolina, the lack of resources, the lack of finances, the lack of everything almost, right? Um, you know, I like to say common sense isn't that common. Uh, when I worked in the school in North Carolina, there were a lot of things that I thought were common sense that just weren't being done. Um, and I have an unpopular opinion, you know, many people may disagree with me, but, you know, I worked in buildings where you know, maybe 60% of the staff had master's degrees. You know, I worked in buildings where, you know, the intelligent people, extremely intelligent people, but there were so many things that were broken and didn't make sense. And so that's when I really began to see this, this isn't right. Um, and after trying to communicate my problems and trying to get solutions with administration um, and, you know, going through different things with the county I, that I was working in, I realized that I was not willing to put myself through stress and I wasn't willing to continue to go to work every day and, you know, get beat up and get stepped on uh, and then come home to a measly paycheck and have to stress about how I was going to feed my family. Um, and so I changed my language from I can't do this to I'm not willing to do this. And that is what I started saying often. I'm not willing to come to work to be beat up. And um, when I left the classroom, uh, the last classroom that I taught in was a high school um, English resource class. I actually told the students that I made sure that I was clear with my language, that I wasn't willing to, um, you know, put myself through that stress. And it had necessarily nothing to do with them. You know, I loved them. However, the system was just, you know, it, it wasn't conducive to what it, you know, a good learning environment, if you will. So 99.99% of educators will say that, right? Like it's never, it's not about the youth. Like we're there for them. It's the other things um, that come into play. So it, you know, you lived through this. You weren't willing to do that. I love that. Um, and I hope those youth actually take that and empower themselves with it. I think all youth should actually, um, you know, that's, that's, I love key terms like that. I always say I, I have to, or I get to, right. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's similar. So I really, I really like that, uh, that look at it. What would make Corey willing to teach again? 
that's is this a big a trick question. Oh no, that's a disrupt education yeah, yeah. question, man. So yeah. yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Is there something that that would that if a change happened, what would that change be? Or is it just like, you know what? Nah, that's you know. For me, I think autonomy um, and flexibility and uh, finances. Um, and when I say finances, I'm obviously I'm talking about you know teachers are just making more money and having better benefits. Um, but for me, I think about teachers having more flexibility, educators having more flexibility to make more moves and different type of moves. Um, the trend that I see happening right now in education, Peter, is it to me it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of transitioning teachers on social media are going and looking for positions in ed tech and education technology. Many of those education technology companies are solving the problems that exist in schools because there is a lack of, uh, there's a lack of qualified professionals, there's a lack of support, there's a lack of system, there's a lack of finances. Um, and so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, if 50% of the, the teachers in these buildings leave and they go to the ed tech companies, you know, the ed tech companies are just going to be selling, then in turn selling to the schools that the people just left. And the schools are not going to have an option or a choice but to, uh, you know, sign up and get those different uh, ed tech companies and utilize their services. And so um, I think it's really interesting. And, and I'm hoping that schools will begin school districts will begin to see that they have to be more flexible um for examples let's say you have a teacher who has a bunch of ideas and you know they're sick of teaching english if they want to do something else let them do what they're good at um i don't think teachers should be forced to teaching something maybe that their heart is not in you know that teacher may be able to thrive in a position um you know being a a a, a unifier or a synergist or you know create a position for them create things for people to do I think that school districts need to get ahead of the curve and be more proactive instead of reactive. Because right now, I, I can only imagine how school districts are scrambling, trying to keep it together. And, and I'm thinking, if you just get ahead of it, you know, why can't school districts in a way become ed tech companies? You know, why can't they hire people who are innovators and change makers and they become the ed tech companies instead of outsourcing? They can have everything in-house. Um, to me, that seems like a clear cut solution, but again, it's so convoluted and there are politics in it. So of course that probably, you know, may never happen, but, um, in short, that's what would make me go back into the classroom. Um, if, if, if a district or school was more willing to be flexible and to accept ideas and to make bold choices and to step out on faith, if you will, because they're going to have to do something, Peter. <laughs> it's going to have to do something. I mean, all these teachers leaving and kids are not progressing. They're not getting high quality instruction. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard that a lot. And I, thank you for for saying that. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of, and, and for me personally, even, you know, the only route to actually do something a little bit more is administration and then moving that route politically. There's, there's, like you said, I, there, there's the flexibility isn't there. You're, you're there and you do it for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, you get, you get bored, right? Like you, you have so many more things that you can do. I, I really like that model. Um, well, you've transitioned 
And um, let's talk about that just for a little bit here. So there's some skill sets, obviously, that a lot of teachers don't even know they have. Um, following you on LinkedIn, um, you can, you know, great conversations. And I'll put your LinkedIn up uh, down below um, because there's amazing, you're running through the journey, you're sharing the journey, you're, you're working with others, you're building curriculum. What skills are you using and and how did how did that transition happen? How, you know, take us through. All right, I'm done with the classroom. I went into you know this company. Um, how how did that feel? How did how did that happen? For me, it happened by taking a step back from my life and realizing that I wanted to design a life that I wanted, and I didn't work, want my life to be centered around my work. Um, I didn't want my life to just be about work and I have to put myself in a box. Uh, you know, I really, I was never aware of even the term lifestyle design. Some people may have never heard of it. I'm sure many have, but um, it's just the idea and the concept of like, you need to design your life or you should design your life how you want it. You know, think about the things that are most important to you. Think about what you want out of life. Think about how much time you want to spend at home. Think about the type of income you would like to have. Um, that's where it started for me. And once I really got real with myself, Peter, and realized that the type of life that I want and I need for myself to thrive, I can no longer be a school teacher and have that life. It just didn't match up. Um, that for me was the thought that entered my mind and like the turning point where I said, okay, I need to find a career that will fit my life. And once I figured out what my lifestyle, the type of lifestyle I wanted, that's when I came into uh, SaaS software, software sales, um, software as a, as a service, excuse me. Um, and I just, you know, started researching different companies and in different industries. And um, that's how I, I ended up uh, working remotely for a software company. Um, and in terms of the type of skills that teachers have and I had as a teacher and many others have, there are a tremendous amount of skills that teachers have that are transferable. It doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, I, I encourage teachers to really dig deep and, you know, maybe print a resume of your entire life and everything you've done in your life and think about the specific actions you took in each of those roles and how they transfer and how um, you can utilize those specific skills in other industries. Um, you know, I, I think of some people call them soft skills, but I like to say human skills, you know, being able to negotiate, being able to think quick on your feet, public speaking skills, uh, being able to plan and organize, you know, backwards planning as we do in lesson planning. Oftentimes, you know, we think about the end and, and we kind of come back and, and figure out what we need to do to get there. Um, teachers are, uh, teachers to me are the, are the most passionate people in the world. Um, you know, I think about all the people leaving and I just kind of get a little sad because I'm like, these are passionate, hardworking people who would do anything for you. And any company would be fortunate and blessed to have them. And so, um, you know, that's what I did. I looked at the skills I had and I, I realized that I had it, you know, and I have them. And, and uh, there are many other teachers out there as well who have the same and more skills than I have. And they'll be able to thrive in a, in a company once that company realizes what they have. I love um, the fact like when we were talking about like what schools can do to maybe, you know, have you willing, you were mentioning your values right there and you've actually stated them again. You, I love the the way that you've designed, 
your life uh, in that way. And that's super, super like great advice. I actually teach a career planning course where it's we ain't going to plan the we're going to plan your life first. So it's I'm, I'm going to use that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I do have some of my students actually listen to sn- tidbits of uh, the podcast. That was that was dropping knowledge there. I appreciate that. Um, but you're also still digging in a little bit into that passion of teaching and and you're teaching others now. Um, tell us a little bit about how like is that kind of a side hustle still for you and and you're building um, these platforms for uh, for other educators. Absolutely. So uh, at the moment, uh, it is a side hustle. I'm not doing it full time. But what I do uh, for those that are listening, Peter, is I have an online course and coaching program um, preparing new special education teachers for their first day in the classroom. So when I first entered the classroom, as I mentioned, I didn't have a certification. I didn't have a bachelor's in education. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, The principal of said school walked me to the class, dropped me off, and that was it. I was expected to write IEPs, manage a caseload, manage a classroom. We don't, let's not even talk about lesson planning, which is a whole thing in and of itself. Um, And as I mentioned before, I saw this many schools I worked at. Um, At one point for a year, about a year, a little under a year, I worked for an organization as what they called a guest educator. And so basically I was like a substitute, but the idea was that as I went into classes, I would already have lesson plans prepared. And because I had experience, I would be like more than a sub. Um, Everywhere I went, including that organization, I saw the same thing. New teachers were being onboarded and they did not know what they were doing. Many states allow for teachers to, or, you know, people to enter the profession of teaching without certification which is fine. I, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think what's bad is the fact that school districts sometimes fail to prepare them and invest in them as much as they possibly could. And so it's something that has driven me crazy. Uh, and it has driven me crazy to a good point where I finally did something about it. And so, um, you know, I currently work with different schools and school leaders and helping them with their onboarding and making sure, you know, when a new teacher comes on, they, you know, enroll them in a the program that way that that teacher, you know, beginning on day one, they can start learning when it's time for them to invest or to enroll in a teacher certification program, an alternative program. They will have more knowledge. I had to take my PLT, uh, my um, my practice, practice exam, Peter, and um, I took the principles of teaching and learning for grade seven through 12 and I passed it. Not because I studied, but because I was already in the classroom learning. (laughs) So when they were talking about differentiation, I already knew what that was because I had been teaching and going to PDs. And so um, I just think that there's a better way, a more efficient way to invest in our teachers. And uh, I wanted to be a part of the solution. So my goal eventually is to have uh, an agency where I can do this full time. I'm just currently working towards that. Finding that problem, living it, right? In in that pressure point. And rather than just complaining about it, let's build something. I love that, Corey. Um, thank you so much for sharing your 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 thoughts, uh, your lens on education, on the transition. I know you're going to help a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people who might want to connect with you. So I wanted to give you a chance here to how can people connect with Corey Scott um, and take a look at all the uh, different um, skill sets and the offerings that you have? 
Absolutely. Thank you, Peter. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, currently, that's the major social media platform that I, I communicate and, and work on. Um, but addition to, addition to LinkedIn, I have a website, which is scottlearninggroup.com, www.scottlearninggroup.com. Uh, and if you go there, you can find me. I also have my course, uh, which is day one teacher dot co so day one teacher dot co there you can look at the course um you even have the opportunity to book a call with me if you just want to connect and chat i'm always down to connect with like-minded individuals uh so that way we can solve these problems and fix our schools thank you so much for sharing all this is going to be in the notes to the podcast uh cory we did connect on i think it was on linkedin just kind of chatting and seeing what each other were doing um amazing amazing journey i know you're going to go further you're going to help a lot more educators i definitely could have used that day one teaching so uh, appreciate your time and thank you for being on the podcast all right peter thank you i enjoyed it thank you for having me and thank you all for listening we'll catch you next time on disrupt education